welcome. Welcome to the porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics, by examining the Word of God and especially the book of Acts Church to see how the early church served the Lord. The Porch Online Bible Study has always taken a deeper look into their service to the kingdom of God. And our desire has always been to find and restore the priesthood of the believer and regain the world-shaking, Holy Spirit-empowered influence that the early church had. By digging deeper into Scripture, we find the church the Lord intended, not the one that man created, because the world needs the one the Lord intended. The church age is not over, and what happened in the upper room is as much for today as it was on the day of Pentecost. If you know that there's more to your spiritual walk with Yeshua, with Jesus, the Messiah, and you want more, then you're welcome to join us on this journey. If you have any questions, go to Firefall Talk Radio. Use the contact button or write us directly at the porch, lowercase one word, at firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support what we do, there's ways to do that on the Firefall Talk Radio homepage. If you need more information, just reach out to us. We appreciate your support and your encouragement and your prayers. Welcome to all the listeners from the various streaming platforms. And I want to thank you. I want to thank you for everything, for your uh, ongoing intercession, your encouragement, emails, and messages. Um, For your support, for those of you that do, please pray for uh, the Lord to open those windows, those floodgates. There's so much we need to do and so much that needs to be done. If you need prayer or you want to pray for others, just let us know. We'll connect you. The newsletter went out a week or two ago. The prayer uh, community email will be going out Tomorrow or Friday, if you're on that list, you will get it. If you have a need, just let us know. Contact us. We'll do whatever we can to help you. And make sure you are connected to us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter or whatever it's called now, X, X, whatever it is, we're there. And um, we'd like to hear from you. Father, we just come to you now in the name of Yeshua, the name above all names. There is no other name in heaven and earth by which we may be saved. And we thank you that you loved us and love us so much that you sent Yeshua to pay our debts. He paid it with his blood, our sins washed away, clean. We are white as snow. Our name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We are redeemed and reconciled and have access to you, crying out, Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy. We thank you, Lord, Adonai, for doing it for us. You didn't have to. The Father asked you. He sent you, but you could have said no. You could have sent angels to stop it, but you didn't. You endured it every bit of it, all that they did to you, you let it happen. And we love you for that. 
We thank you for sending back your Holy Spirit so that we could learn and understand and walk in unity with you, to be connected with you in the throne room. So we thank you right now for the protection over us, our homes, our families, our pets, our possessions, this technology. We thank you for all that you're doing in the world, praying, and we pray and ask for you to watch over Israel. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Watch over this nation, Lord. We don't deserve it. We deserve your judgment, but we ask for mercy. And I pray that your children would rise up in prayer. We pray for our brothers and sisters around the world being tortured and persecuted for their faith, being slaughtered for their faith. And we know that their voices cry out to you from the altar. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd guide us tonight, that you'd open our minds, open our hearts, cleanse us of anything hindering us to hear your word, to receive what it is you want for us, to walk in the fullness of the power of the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. Bless and protect this technology. Bless this time together in Yeshua's name. If you agree with me, say amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. We'll get those Bibles open. I want to start out with a quote from D.L. Moody, a preacher, evangelist. He said, I prayed for faith and thought someday faith would come down and strike me like lightning. But faith did not seem to come. One day I read in the 10th chapter of Romans, Now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I had closed my Bible and prayed for faith. Now I opened my Bible and began to study, and faith has been growing ever since. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Yes, Faith is a gift to the Spirit. Yes, the Holy Spirit is behind it, but if you don't open your Bibles, it's great if you're listening. It's great if you're following along with the list of Scriptures for those of you that get them. But the Word and the Spirit are working together inside of you. Now, I struggled with this Bible study. I actually wrote two other ones. Yep, I have two for the future or... Just two more. And it just didn't resonate with me, and I struggled because I could have done them. They were good words, but they weren't today's God word. And that's the problem with a lot of teachers and preachers and all these people out there on YouTube and wherever. They're putting out good words, or they're putting out what they think are good words, but they're not God words. And the only way you know the difference is by the Holy Spirit. And you need to stop listening to some of these people if the Spirit's not in it, just because it tickles your ears or fulfills what you want to hear. 
It's got to be a God word. And that's what I believe I have for you tonight. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were made of things which were not made of things which are visible, meaning they're invisible, quantum physics. Hebrews eleven six. without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, he is what, he's God, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It doesn't matter if you know all the scripture and have them memorized in chapter and verse or read all the books. If you diligently seek him, you will find him. The word tells me, according to Hebrews thirteen eight, the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi three six, for I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore I know that from the beginning to the end he has not changed. Matthew twenty four thirty five red letters, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. That's why you have to get into the word. You have to read it. Even if you say, well, I don't understand it. Let the Spirit guide you. I'm not telling you to read Genesis to Revelation, at least not yet. I've done it more than once. But start where the Spirit leads you. Start in John. Start in Matthew, wherever. Get to know the Lord. And then begin to see prophecy and go through all those things. But you have to know the Word, know the Spirit to pray. I saw this meme, and it kind of inspired tonight. It says, pray without ceasing because the enemy is praying, P-R-E-Y-I-N-G, without ceasing. We need to pray because the enemy is praying over us. He's praying to attack us. He's praying on your families, your children, your homes, everything you have. Pray. Well, Richard, I can't do what you do. I'm not asking you to and never have and more than likely wouldn't let you unless the Lord said to. Matter of fact, I know I've shared this, but many years ago, I was trying to figure out how I could train people and get people to do what we do with SRT and help us out and be a part of the team. And the Lord kind of chastised me. And he said, stop teaching people to do what you do. I've called you to do what you do. And I realized that a calling like mine is specific. And you must have a similar calling or live out your calling. But that's not what I'm telling you to do. What I'm telling you to do is to pray. Start your day in prayer. End your day in prayer. Take time throughout the day to talk to the Lord and pray. Somebody comes to mind, you don't know why, stop and pray for them. Intercede for them. I have a list of people starting with my family all the way on down through the team and all the way on down through any of you, if I know you by name, and and if not, you're just a part of the porch community and family members and friends and, and various people that the Lord brings to mind. And they will come to mind throughout the day. 
or a situation will come to mind, and I'll stop, and I'll talk to the Lord. But I'm going to be honest with you. Prayer is the most, both the most exciting and the most frustrating practice in life. When your prayers are answered, there's no other feeling like it. But when the answer doesn't come when you think it should or was going to, it makes us heart sick. Proverbs thirteen twelve, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. That tree of life symbolizes the deeply felt desire of coming back to the power and the freedom of the Garden of Eden, of being alive and being filled with the Spirit and the power of God. But when it's deferred, when it doesn't happen, when it's delayed in its realization, it sickens the heart and can really weigh you down. But when it comes, oh, what a comfort and invigoration to the body and to the soul. Some examples of heart sickness is Abraham in Genesis 15 wanted a son. He wanted an heir. David, through most of the time that he was on the run from Saul, you know, here he's been anointed by Samuel, and now he's on the run. He's hiding in caves, and he he's, he writes Psalm 42, verses 1 through 3. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so, my, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, where is your God? Let me tell you what, the enemy will pound on you. He'll, he'll whisper in your ear, even from a distance, where is your God? He's not hearing your prayers. The disciples, after the Lord's crucified, two of them are walking in the wrong direction. They're walking away from Jerusalem on the road to Emmaus. They've lost their vision. They've lost their hope. They've forgotten what he said. To become disillusioned is to have your ideals or your idealism taken away and you become disappointed and bitter. That disillusionment is the feeling of disappointment. It's very similar to depression and can lead to it. It's arising from the realization that something is not what it was expected or believed to be, possibly accompanied by philosophical angst having one's beliefs challenged. That was from the Webster Dictionary. Well, let me tell you what, hopelessness will do that. Now, if you don't know how to pray, if you don't know where to look in your word, if you don't know what praise and worship music to turn on, then the enemy will weigh you down and weigh you down and weigh you down to where you just want to give up. But faith, now faith, is the substance of things hoped for. And it's the evidence of things not seen. You don't have to see it. You believe it. And by for the elders obtained a good testimony. They had a good report because they had faith even when they couldn't see it. Faith inspires hope and keeps you on the path you need to be on. And you 
have to walk that path of faith and hope or get lost in the darkness of despair, a place where the enemy dwells and life slips away, sometimes literally. And spirit-empowered prayer keeps hope alive. The Book of Acts Church knew how to pray. Prayer in the upper room shook the world. In Acts chapter 4, the answer to their prayer shook the building and, and dropped some Holy Spirit fire on them again. You know, Peter and John have been arrested, and they've been let go by the elders. This is after they healed the man at the gate, beautiful. And being let go, they went to their own companions. This is Acts 4.23. And reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them, which was, we're going to let you go. We're going to beat you up a little bit, but stop preaching in the name of Yeshua. And so when they heard that, they raised their voice to God in one accord, with one accord, and said, Lord, you are God, who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Right there, they're edifying him. Right there, they're praising him. They haven't even begun the prayer. They haven't even begun the petition. They're praising him. Begin to praise him. Don't always run in there moaning and groaning and and whining. Go in there praising who by the mouth of your servant David has said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together, gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. For truly against your holy servant Yeshua, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Right there, Acts 4, verses 27 and 28, when people say, who killed Jesus? Well, the early church wanted to, the late church, not the first century church, not the book of Acts church. They wanted to blame the Jews, and they still blame the Jews. Well, folks, guess what? Punctious Pilate could have said no. But what does it say right there? Both Herod, Jewish, Punctious Pilate, Gentiles, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. It was going to happen. He was the prophet. He was the Messiah. He was the Lamb of God. And it was going to happen the way it was ordained. So when anybody goes on this Jews killed Jesus rant, open your Bible, take them to Acts chapter 4, verses 27 and 28. And then tell them to sit down and be quiet. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Yeshua. They didn't pray for judgment. They didn't pray for destruction. They didn't pray for God to destroy them. They prayed for the power and the boldness to speak the word. They prayed for signs and wonders to be with that word. And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. But wait a second. Didn't they get it in the upper room? Yes, they did. But power needs to keep flowing. It needs to keep flowing from him to you and out, from him to you and out. Free flow of the Spirit. The book of Acts Church had the Lord as their example and their model regarding prayer. Messiah, he lived a life of prayer. 
gaining fresh infilling and a supply of the Spirit by spending the time with his Father. Luke sixteen twelve, he prayed all night. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Matthew fourteen twenty two through twenty twenty three. Immediately, Yeshua made his disciples get into the boat and go out before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was there alone. So he was up there for at least three hours. Well, in the middle of the night, during the fourth watch, they're out in boat in the middle of the sea, and they're getting tossed by the waves. And this craziness is going on. Here comes Yeshua strutting on the water because he's filled with the power. He's filled with the prayer. He's spent time with the Father. Are you spending time? With the Father. Oh, I don't mean shotgun prayers and drive-bys. I don't even mean a quick hour Father, which is all well and good. Are you spending time with Him? Are you just listening? Just nobody has to be saying anything. Just sitting with Him. Martin Luther, from a sermon called A Simple Way to Pray, This is from 1535, by the way. He says, mark this, that you must always speak the amen firmly. Never doubt that God in his mercy will surely hear you and say yes to your prayers. Never think that you are kneeling or standing alone. Rather, think that the whole of Christendom, all devout Christians, are standing there beside you. And you are standing among them in a common united petition, which God cannot disdain. Don't leave your prayer without having said or thought, Very well, God has heard my prayer. This I know as a certainty and a truth. That is what amen means. When you're praying, others are praying with you. Maybe you don't know who they are, but they're praying with you. When you're praying with the porch community, you have all of us praying with you. Mark eleven twenty four. therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And here's what that means. Believe what you will receive and from whom. The only intangible is the when. And it will happen at the perfect time in what's called the fullness of time. And I know delays happen. That's what we're talking about. I'm living in those delays, dreams and visions that I know are from the Lord that have been confirmed have not happened yet. I know they will, and I know from whom they come. I just don't know when. In the fullness of time is when. In the perfect time is when. Mark 1, verse 35 Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Luke 5, 16. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. You know what? It takes faith to keep praying. You, in your spirit, in your flesh, in your you, want to quit. What's the point? Pray. Keep praying. Keep petitioning. Just don't stop. 
First Chronicles 16:11 Seek the Lord and his strength seek his face evermore. Psalm 62 verse 5 O you who hear prayer meaning God capital Y O you who hear prayer to you all flesh will come. Now, how does he do it? I mean, all these millions of people, they're praying. I, I don't know. I just know he inhabits eternity. I know that what he holds everything together. I know that this life and this air and the universe, and it's all made up of particles and subparticles and things we can't see. And I believe all of that is him. I believe the dark matter of the universe, which very much looks like the brain matter and the electrical impulses of the brain, I believe it's all him. I believe all creation is plugged into him. Oh, you who hear prayer, to you all flesh will come. It takes faith to wait for an answer. Waiting for the promised spiritual blessing while others prosper is a test of patience, faith, and perseverance. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Not everybody who prospers is getting those blessings from God. Some are coming from the enemy. Some are coming from the world. They've learned how to manipulate the system. If faith is real, it seeks to express itself. Don't be afraid of, well, I don't want to say anything because then if it doesn't happen, you know, they're going to look down on me. Who cares what they think? I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to speak it. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to proclaim him. Faith that's real will communicate itself, and it will acknowledge itself. It will have a dynamic passion. Prayer inspires faith. Faith inspires action. Let me say that again. Prayer inspires faith. Faith inspires action. Go with me to Matthew 9, starting verse 20. And this is a story told in three different places. And I'm going to be combining all three stories of Matthew 9, Luke 8, and Mark 5 together. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind Yeshua and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, if I only may touch his garment, I shall be made well. Now she'd had this flow of blood for 12 years and spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any. And she came up from behind him and touched the hem of his garment, not the hem of his uh, toga or whatever you want to call it. It was the zitzits, the fringes of his tallit. And immediately the flow of blood stopped. See, in Numbers 15, we, we understand the importance of the tassels and the corners of the garment. Speak to the children of Israel. Tell them to make tassels on all the corner of their garments throughout their generations and put a blue thread in the tassels of the corners. And you shall have the tassel that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them, that you may not follow the harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined, that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy for your God. So the zitzits and the fringes on the prayer shawl and the tallit, they weren't magical. 
They were a reminder of his word and his promises of who he was. Yeshua is the word. Yeshua is the promises. So when she reaches out and grabs those tassels, those fringes, power flows out of him. And of course she gets scared, but Yeshua turned around and when he saw her, it said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you whole. And that woman was made well from that hour. Now remember, during that time, if you were sick, or you had an illness like she had, you were unclean. You weren't supposed to be out in public. And you definitely weren't supposed to be out in crowds. So for her to push through that crowd, that throng is around Jesus, she could have been stopped to death. She didn't care. She was at the end of her rope. She was at the end of her hope. But she saw him in front of her and said, if I can just touch those eat seats. And I pictured her pushing through the crowd, maybe getting down below the crowd, maybe crawling in the dirt just to reach out as he passes by and grabbing a hold. Now faith. She had now faith. Now, where was Yeshua going? He was on his way to Jairus' house. Now, behold, there came a man named Jairus. He was the ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Yeshua's feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age. And she was dying. So he's on his way there, and this crowd is around him, and this woman gets healed, and this is miraculous moment. Now, while he was speaking, some came from the rule of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Why trouble rabbi any further? And that's what the world would tell you. The world would tell you, give up. Your prayer is dead. Your hope is dead. And as soon as Yeshua heard the word that was spoken. He said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then when he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw the tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly, so she's dead, and people have been waiting for her to die, and the professional mourners are there, and the family and friends are there. In another section, it says the, they were playing flutes and crying out. He came in, and he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child's not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, just as they'll ridicule you when you speak in faith. But when he had put them all outside... He took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. He took the child by the hand. He said to her, Talitha Kumi, which translated means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said that something should be given her to eat. Well, keep that a secret, will you? And the report of this went out in all the land, and so Yeshua is departing. Folks, I'm talking about faith in action. I'm talking about people at the end of their hope, the end of their rope. I'm talking in one story from the woman with the issue of blood to Jairus and now two blind men 
who are following him, crying out, saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. Son of David, have mercy on us. So he turned to them and he said, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus warned them, sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows it. If you want to have a secret told, tell people not to say it. But when they had departed, they spread the news about him in all the country. And so he goes out, and they bring to him a man that's mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out and the mute spoke, the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never seen like this in Israel. Folks, we need some of that in America today. It was never seen like this in America. It's never been seen like this in our church. It's never been seen like this in our building. It's never been seen like this in our meeting room. Remember Acts 4, they prayed, the Spirit fell. What did they want? They wanted boldness and signs and wonders. People are praying for boldness to destroy the enemy or destroy, you know, uh, evil or, or, or gifts or money or whatever. No, no, no. We need to pray for the boldness to speak the word, lay hands on the sick, to cast out the demons, to change the world one soul at a time. The woman with the issue of blood had the faith to risk it all to touch his talit, the fringes of his garment. Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, who's now reaching out to this prophet who the ruler, other rulers don't like, who's a threat to their faith and to their business, and he risks it for the sake of his daughter. He risked his public standing for his daughter's life. The blind man risked everything, ridicule, being beaten up, and they cried out anyway. That's prayer. That's perseverance. That's that hope that drives you that the enemy wants to steal from you, that the world wants to keep you quiet. Sorry, not going to do that. As I've said more than once in public, when told to tone it down, if I tone it down because of my testimony, the rocks are going to cry out, and no rocks are going to outpraise me. Andrew Murray says, Our great danger in the school of the prayer... The answer delayed. Let me start that over. Whew. Oh, hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Right now, Lord, touch my brothers and sisters. Catch them off guard. Catch them off guard in whatever area they're hidden from you or not allowed you to see or they're afraid. Just catch them off guard and take it away. In Jesus' name. Andrew Murray says, Our great danger in the school of the answer delayed is the temptation to think that, after all, it may not be God's will to give us what we ask. If our prayer be according to God's Word and under the leading of the Spirit, let us not give way to these fears. Let us learn to give God time. God needs time with us. If we only give Him time, that is time in the daily fellowship with Himself for Him to exercise the full influence of his presence on us 
and time day by day in the course of our being kept waiting for faith to prove its reality and to fill our whole being. He himself will lead us from faith to vision. We shall see the glory of God. Let no delay shake our faith. Of faith it holds good, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Each believing prayer brings a step nearer to the final victory. Each believing prayer helps to ripen the fruit and brings us nearer to it. It fills up the measure of prayer and faith known to God alone. It conquers the hindrances of the unseen world. It hastens the end. The enemy cannot steal anything but what you're willing to let go of. Let me say that again. Yes, he comes to steal and just kill, steal, and destroy. But if you're holding on to it by faith, and you believe it by faith, and you're in the Word, and the Spirit's in you, and the Word's in you, the enemy can't steal that from you. But what he can do is to trick you into letting it go. He can trick you into believing it was never going to happen in the first place. 1 Thessalonians five, sixteen through 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Messiah Yeshua for you. Rejoice. Even in the bad things, rejoice. Find something to rejoice about. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. Give thanks to the Lord. Find something to say thank you for. That's the formula for prayer. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Philippians 4.4. 4. Do it without ceasing means don't stop. I have seen and heard teachings from people. Once you say it and believe it, don't say it again. Don't pray it again. That goes against the parables of the importunate widow and the man needing food for his his friend that shows up late at night. Pray without ceasing. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Rejoice always. Be always happy in your relationship with the Lord. That relationship in, intent is to move, remove the misery out of our lives. I was a miserable person before I have him, and I do not know how people can survive in this day and age without having a relationship with Yeshua, with Jesus, without knowing the Lord personally, not religion, but having a relationship with the living God. He or she that has God for their help can continually rejoice. Rejoice always in the Lord. Pray without ceasing. You're dependent upon your heavenly Father for everything. You're dependent on the Lord for everything. Without him, you can do nothing and you have nothing. And I would say acknowledge and feel that dependence at all times. I will start out prayer saying, Lord, if you don't do this, it won't happen. You're my only hope. You're the only, you're the only one who can do this. You're all that I have. There's nothing in the natural that I can do to make this happen. 
only you, supernaturally, by your word, by your decree. If you believe that, you will always be in a spirit of prayer. And those who feel that spirit won't be told to pray. Somebody's going to have to tell them, hey, shut up for a minute. Nope, not going to do that. You're always going to be living an atmosphere of prayer. You're going to be exercising in prayer, just like your lungs breathe in and out. You're going to pray. In the Greek, that was pray without intermission. There's no rest. There's no gaps. What is it you need in your life? Petition him. Believe that he can do it. And then listen, because in the midst of that, he may reveal to you, hey, you're doing X, Y, Z. You're causing this. So the Spirit will give you revelation, too. It won't just be a miraculous poof, it's gone. It can be. I've had that happen. I've seen it happen. But other times it's been, um, here's the answer to that. In everything, give thanks. All things work together for good to them that love God. Therefore, every situation is a time of gratitude and thankfulness. If you live your life to him, whether it's prosperity or adversity, he's allowing to happen. I've never always I've never been a fan of that. I'm going to be honest with you, but I know that he allows certain things to happen to test us, to strengthen us, to show us, hey, you know what? Maybe that area of your life that you thought was healed is not. For this is the will of God that you should always be happy. That you should ever be in a spirit of prayer. And that you should benefit, that you should profit by every occurrence in your life and be grateful and obedient all the time. Because gratitude and obedience are interconnected. In everything, even if it seems adverse, even if it seems like, you know what, I don't like this. Because there is nothing that you can't benefit from. Now, the giving of thanks in all things doesn't imply that all things are good, but all things are God. It just means that by giving thanks, we have confidence in Him. We have confidence in His purpose. We have confidence in His providence in every circumstance of life. Now, Scripture, I've quoted a lot over the last couple of weeks, and I've lived it. Romans eight twenty eight. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. All things, not some things, not just the things you like, not just the things you want, but all things. You can praise him in everything. Ephesians five fifteen through 20. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you 
to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourself and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus the Messiah. Sometimes it's very difficult in the middle of what you're going through to do that. And your flesh is not going to want to do that. Your natural mind is going to talk, try to talk you out of it. But if your spirit is stronger, it won't allow you to be talked out of it. The Lord gave thanks publicly, even though he knew the Father would already answer his prayer. He did that as an example. Look at that in John 11. Starting verse 38, he arrives at Lazarus' tomb. And Yeshua, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And he said, Take away the stone. Now Martha, the sister of him, Lazarus, who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he's been dead for four days. Martha's natural mind is talking. And Yeshua said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Yeshua lift up his eyes and said, lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And that voice, the voice that spoke everything into existence, that voice went from the cave to the body to Sheol to the supernatural and pulled Lazarus back into his body and at the same time healed that body so it was no longer decomposing. And when he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave cloth and his face wrapped with a cloth, Yeshua said to them, Loose him and let him go. He knew the Father was going to do it. But he showed them faith. He showed them prayer. He showed them belief. Luke 11, 9 and 10. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. A.W. Tozer said this, and I thought it was uh, profound and cute, maybe not as spiritual as he thought it, that he meant it to be, but faith is the vitamin that makes all we take from the Bible digestible and makes us able to receive it and assimilate it. For if we do not have faith, we cannot get anything. Basically, faith, 
Without faith, there's no strength or ability to keep going. And you can't have faith without praying. See why you need to open this word? You need to understand this word. I think it's great if you're listening, and I think it's great if you're downloading and breaking it down. But you need to open that Bible and let the Spirit speak to you. You need to learn to hear His voice. Pray without ceasing is the type of prayer to carry an attitude of prayer with you throughout the day, not just in corporate worship or personal quiet times. Persistent. Persistent prayer is powered by faith. Faith in who? Your faith? Or our faith in God. It better be your faith in God. Fear is the opposite of faith. Fear, and, 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 and believe me, listen to me, please. I know you're listening, but I'm saying this for effect. I've had people say fear is false evidence appearing real. Folks, sometimes fear is real. It's real to you. It's real in that situation. But it's the opposite of faith. Faith says, I don't care what reality says, I'm going to believe otherwise. Because reality, realistic thinking, is the enemy of faith and prayer. You have to change the way you think. Let's, if, if I'm walking down a trail in the woods and hiking, which is not something I do a lot. I've done it in the past. And there's a bear or a mountain lion running my way. And I get afraid. Is that real? Of course it's real. Because if I don't run and the Lord doesn't do something, I'm dinner. So there are times that fear can be real. But if your faith is strong, if your prayer life is right, you'll have the ability to stick out your hand and say no in Yeshua's name. I've done that. Walking home late one night in Queens, rode the bus home because my car wasn't working, and I had to walk through a bad area of projects. And as I'm walking... I hear a growl, and then I hear snarling, and I look to my right down the alleyway in between the two buildings. Here comes this dog running towards me, more than likely from the size of it and what I remember. It was a pit bull, and it's snarling, and it's coming for me, and I just put my hand out and probably woke some people up. I said, no, in the name of Jesus and Nazareth, no, and that dog stopped like he hit a wall. And just looked at me and turned around and walked away. That was faith, supernatural faith at that moment. Fear is the opposite of faith, and realistic thinking is the enemy of faith and prayer. Do not be conformed to this world, but transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12, 2. What is the good and perfect will of God? First of all, acceptable will of God. He wants everybody to be saved. He wants you to be healed. He wants you to be delivered. He wants you to be whole. Don't let realistic thinking infect your spiritual mind. Only the enemy can do that, and he can only do that to unredeemed minds. Second Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4. 
But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Messiah, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Because of the power shift created by the cross, the empty tomb, and the upper room, demonic interference is very real, and it's also very subtle. And the effort to interfere with our prayer and the results of prayer persist. But we must be steadfast in the faith and the power of his name, standing together, empowered by the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, standing together, praying always, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Ephesians six eighteen. Jude 1, verses 20 and 21. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in God's love. The Spirit works with us, and he helps us bear the load and walk the road. You're not walking that road alone. Romans eight twenty six through 28, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for good. For those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Everything works for good. Everything he can use for the kingdom even if it's bad, it becomes our testimony. Our faith and how we feel about it becomes our testimony. We change lives. And we don't know what he's doing. We have no clue when he says, hey, I want you to do something. We don't know what he's doing. We don't know the ripple effect of it. We don't know what's going to come back to us in blessing or healing or revelation. Just do it. Trust him enough to do it. We would make so many mistakes in prayer if the Spirit did not guide us and inspire us with the proper desires and help us fulfill those desires in the will of God. So, keep praying. God takes care of his own. He takes care of his children. He's not going to reject you. He's not going to abandon you. It may not go the way you thought it was going to go, and it may go on for a little longer than you expected. And it may go in a direction you never would have imagined. But at the end of it, you're going to look back and go, oh, I see what you were doing now. Because now, because of what I've been through and what I've come out of the other side of, that I've had the experience of the Lord and the Holy Spirit and the Scriptures to go with it, the next person doesn't have to go through it alone. I can go through it with them. Keep praying. Don't give up. Keep believing. 
expecting to receive. You don't know when, but you know he will. Father, we love you. We can't do this without you. Not in any way, shape, or form can we do this without you. The world and the cares of this world and all the things that Hasatan and the falling are doing, fallen are doing is setting up the stage for your arrival, but before then it's going to get pretty bad. We're seeing people suffering because of this fallen world. We're seeing evil arrogantly strutting about as if you don't exist. And as I said to my son Jesse yesterday, you know, only the Lord can do something about it. And because of the way it's written, we're going to get to see it happen. And I don't revel in any man or woman's destruction, but I, I got to tell you, unless he says otherwise, when he destroys the fallen and puts them in the pit and then eventually puts Satan in prison and puts them in the lake, I, I, I just might be standing there cheering. Got to be honest with you. I may be clapping and cheering and whistling and make a spiritual fool out of myself because he deserves it. He's reprobate. He has no hope. He has no redemption. These fallen angels have no redemption. These demons have no redemption. They deserve his judgment for all that they've done to his children, for all the babies that they've killed and hacked up and body parts sold, for every life destroyed, for every marriage destroyed. For every young person who has cut their body apart to be something that they were never intended to be, oh, they deserve it. But his children don't, and that's why we pray, and that's why we keep praying, and that's why we keep believing, and that's why we keep trusting, and we lead people to the Lord, and we pray for the sick, and we get in this Word so that we have the Word ready and available to us when the Spirit needs it. That's why your testimony is so important. You know, as I was working on this today and saw what the Lord was doing, I started to see all the last three or four weeks of, of teachings tying together. He's taking us in a direction. He's taking us to a specific point. I'm not sure yet what it is, so I won't say it. But it's exciting and it's glorious, and we're going to do it together. And I pray all of these things. I say all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May Adonai make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.